millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to the following on podcast from Talk Sport. What a beautiful day it is here in Port Elizabeth, uh, down by the coast. Uh, an hour's flight from Cape Town, where the England team have been for the last couple of days, getting their intensity up. And the Talk Sport team are now in situ as well. The waves are coming in from the Indian Ocean. A real holiday feel to this part of town, but it's a serious business ahead for England and South Africa. The third test match taking place here at Port Elizabeth, getting underway on Thursday, uh, live and exclusive, of course, on TalkSport and TalkSport 2. Uh, Andrew McKenna uh, arrived a couple of days back and uh, straight on it at uh, Port Elizabeth's uh, picturesque ground. And he's caught up with assistant coach Paul Collingwood. You've been around professional sport a long time. Have you known a tour like this for the issues that have been going on? No, it's, um, I mean, after that first first test match, um, it really did test the boys. It tested the boys, the management, um, everything in terms of energy levels, um, the amount of illnesses actually where the players couldn't even get out in the park um, was, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, you've got a guy like Ben Stokes, and, and believe me, Ben is usually on the park, no matter whether he's got whatever niggle, and um, to see him lying on a physio's bench just completely wiped out um, for hours during that that first day of the test match was uh, was quite surprising and, and just shows how much this, that illness did hit it. So, and then you had the football injury, obviously, which was kind of, oh, truly not. Um, but, you know, I think hopefully we've um, kind of turned the corner there and, um, you know, that performance in Cape Town was exceptional. And, um, you know, hopefully a little bit of luck is uh, on our side again. I was thinking about that. Sometimes adversity brings teams together. It bonds you stronger. When maybe six, eight, nine months down the line, could this actually be a help? I mean, I was thinking back to the England rugby team a few years ago. They went to Australia, mm. lost 76-0 on what was called the Tour of Hell. Five years after that, they won the World Cup, and they all actually go back to that <laughs> and say, do you know what? It was a horrible experience at the time, but we were better from it long term. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously in sport, adversity does uh, test you at times and um, it's how you bounce back, which is the important thing. And I thought the way that we have bounced back, we got together again. Um, we had 11 players, I think, um, pretty much ill in that first test match. And, you know, it was just nice to be able to, from a management's point of view, nice to be able to pick players that you knew that were going to get through the test match and, um, and be 100% uh, energy. So... You know, it was an experience. Um, unfortunately, we went on to lose that game, but um, hopefully now we can um, move on and um, and have our best players uh, fit and raring to go. Did you ever go to Silvers and say, look, I could put a pair of pads on if you knew? <laughs> was it that serious? At, at one point, it was uh, looking that way, but no, um, thankfully we... Um, we managed to get enough players out to to cover the cover the players, and um, but it was just during the test match. At that time, which it hit us it was, you know, guys were literally going down during the test match, and um, and that hits you hard when you haven't got. You know, we we lost Ben Stokes for the first day of um, and bowling, uh, so we could only use our four seamers, which you know can make a huge difference in the in the aspect of a, a test match. Obviously, Josh going down as well. Really was ill. Energy levels were just kind of 60, 70 percent. So, not trying to make excuses, of course, but um, you know, it's just great that we bounced back the way we did in Cape Town. Talking of energy levels, yesterday's practice session was full on. Mm. They, ECB, actually filmed one of the coaching drills that you did with the boys around the stumps with the catches. I mean, they were all absolutely blowing after doing that. Watching that, I mean, I was tired watching it. Yeah. It was it, great, wasn't it? It was a great drill, by the way. <laughs> Is that important, sort of three, four days before um, the start of the test match, to get get the energy going, get get the legs going again? Yeah, absolutely. And it's all obviously after having three days off in Cape Town, which you know is is brilliant from a um, from a team's point of view to be able to get away, uh, recharge the batteries, and um, and then come back into training and and really just having that um, you know from from day one, just having that right, we're back into it here and. Um, I thought the training session yesterday, not just because of that drill, but the way the boys went in the net, um, you really kind of felt that competitive edge with the ballers bowling in at 100% intensity, the batters were trying to get through it. And, um, you know, that's from our point of view, that is great for the development of the players themselves, educating them. Um, if they can get through spells of woody bowling, 90 mile an hour plus, and Joffrey bowling, then, you know, when you get out in the middle, it should be a little bit easier. And, and we need to try to keep keep those intensity levels going uh, 100% when we when we do turn up a train. You mentioned Woody Joffre and those Chris Wokes. The three of them seem to be going for one spot in the side on Thursday. They're all in a net together yesterday. Will they be all in the same net today? And is it as simple as a shootout? Um, quite possibly. Um, I think you know Graham Thorpe does the uh, board. He organises the the net sessions. Um, so we'll have to wait and see who's with who. But um, you know. It, those guys know that they're vying for for one spot there, and um, you know it's it's nice to have um, an X factor in your team if they're fit and raring to go and they're and they're ready. It's um, it'll, especially on a pitch like Port Elizabeth, which can be a bit slower. Um, sometimes you need just something something a bit different. So um, yeah, I, I think these guys pretty much know that they're they're vying for one spot, and hopefully we'll see a reaction from them in the in the next couple of days of uh, training. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean, there truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. So straight shootout it is then. Chris Wokes, Geoffrey Archer and Mark Wood all contesting that final bowling place. Uh, vacated, of course, from uh, the unfortunate injury to Jimmy Anderson. He's making his way back to the UK. It'll be uh, fascinating to see which one, Chris Silverwood, uh, Joe Root and uh, Ed Smith, who uh, was in Cape Town, the uh, chief selector, decide to plump for. But certainly, uh, from most observers' eyes, watching Mark Wood pounding during the lunch break and also before play in Cape Town, seem to suggest that he is back to full fitness. The last time, of course, that he played was on Talk Sport, well, in Test Cricket, that is, in St Lucia, one of the fastest spells of bowling ever by an Englishman. So it'll be superb to see if he can recapture that form, if given an opportunity. Uh, we'll be bringing more fresh uh, England player content tomorrow, but for now, a chance to go back to the first Test match and a conversation uh, between Ben Stokes and Darren Goff. Um, looking back at the World Cup final... And uh, following that, a discussion uh, from the likes of uh, Mark Butcher and Steve Harmison about uh, just where that innings should stand in the pantheon of great ODI innings. The World Cup, going into that World Cup, the favourites tag, number one team in the world. How difficult was that, coming into an own World Cup with that, with that tag for the team? Well, the thing is about that is that we earned the right to be the favourites. We earned the right to be number one with what? with how we had played and the results that we had leaned into that tournament and you know our record was phenomenal as a team but being world number one being favourites doesn't give you the right to win the tournament doesn't give you the right to go or favourites are going to win because that's not how it works you can be a strong team yeah but as you've seen throughout tournaments we got beaten by teams that everybody was so surprised they beat us so it can happen you know if you don't turn up on the day and you're not 100% and another team is you're not going to win majority of that. So, you know, we knew that we deserved it, but we didn't take it as an as a an excuse to go in and light-hearted, thinking we're just going to cruise away and win the World Cup. Bad luck on Ben Stokes, magnificent 82, 
But England now will probably need to win at least one of their last matches against India, Australia and New Zealand to ensure a semi-final place. It's a win then by 21 runs for Sri Lanka. England, second defeat of the tournament. There must have been a little bit of fear within the team at that moment. And you yourself. Um, but hang on a minute, we might not get through here. Yeah, and the thing about this book is that you know, there's a bit in the book here where we speak about uh, the game before India where we have to win every game to get through. And I go into detail about how I was feeling, how the people in the team were feeling and how the team in general were feeling. So uh, what I've tried to do is just make this book um, feel as if whoever's reading it is there with us and just tried not to put in, you know, just a little bit about that, a little bit about I've really tried to focus on getting everything that I can possibly remember into the certain bits that I feel were a massive part of that summer. It must have been a great feeling for you with your roots, obviously, when it was New Zealand in the final. So that must have been a great feeling for you as well. No, not really. Like, I didn't look at it as if, oh, brilliant, it's a New Zealand-England final, because at the end of the day, New Zealand's just another team to me. When you know, I'm representing England, I'm, I'm English. I was born in New Zealand, I remember my roots, I remember where I came from and all that kind of stuff, yeah, but I'm English. You know, I'm going to try and, you know, beat New Zealanders as much as I'm going to try and beat Australia. But, yeah, a lot of people hinted on that and, you know, there was a few, you know, my family's seen the funny side of it, that's the New Zealand-England final, but, <laughs> yeah, I didn't see it like that. Is it split, the family, when it comes to that? Is it New Zealand-England? If I'm being perfectly honest, I've got absolutely no idea. <laughs> I've got no idea. When New Zealand playing, England, I've got no idea what mum and dad want to win. I know when New Zealand are not playing England, they want New Zealand to win. And when England are playing someone else, they want England to win. But I've got no idea what they want. England celebrate because it is England who will play in their first Cricket World Cup final since 1992 at their home in their backyard against New Zealand. England will play in the final on Sunday after beating Australia by eight wickets. Come the final, New Zealand, it's here at Lords, the Oma Cricket. The conditions weren't great. The pitch wasn't great. New Zealand made 2-4-1, I think, for eight. What do you think at, at, at halfway stage? Do you think you'd, pff, we got this? It was, a, it was an innings where we just never felt like New Zealand ever got away from us whatsoever. Mm. Like, yes, it was a difficult It was difficult conditions. You know, It was like overcast. The pitch was a bit sticky. There was quite a lot of seam movement on offer. And scoring looked hard. It was a wicket where no one ever looked it in no matter how long they stayed at the crease. So coming off at the end, we were like 2-4-1s, like, yeah, it's, but we back ourselves to get that. And you go, when that's in the first ball, as I say, when it hit J-Roy on the pad, I was like, oh, I can't believe he's not giving that out. <laughs> the ball shown to be yeah. crashing into leg stump, but not enough to overturn the on-field decision, which was not out. And then just sort of like, as you say, like, didn't, we didn't get off to a great start and things like that. And I was actually, you know, I was thankful that I was out there when I was quite quickly, like just because I'm a, I'm a horrendous wreck. Well, it was 86 huge, for four, wasn't it? 86 yeah. for four. I'm like, I'm such a bad watcher, like in big in situations like that. Like I would much rather be out there than up there watching because I can't do anything. Um, especially in a World Cup final where things are looking tough. So when you sat in the dressing room then, I mean, we're all different, um, every one of us. Are you someone who can't sit? You, do you have to walk around? Are you moving around all the time? Or are you sat there concentrating, biting the handle of the bat like Matthew Ogard used to do? Or are you somebody like Flintoff who's up and down, going to the toilet every two minutes? What's, how do you prepare? Um, yeah, 
I kind nervous of, wreck. I'm up. Not nervous wreck. It's just like because I'm next in. Like, I, I honestly, I don't get fully kitted up until I'm actually next into bat. I've got all my stuff ready to put on, but unless so, when a wicket falls and then say number four goes in, I'm not even ready yet. I don't get ready until I'm. You must have that yeah. nightmare dream we've all had as cricketers, but you you missed your, your way to bat, but you oh, yeah. got your pads on in time. And, yep. I all had that dream, yeah. <laughs> Probably I had it once and see if it actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're in, right? 86 yeah. for four. You and Butler just had to get England back in the game. It was an, am- an amazing partnership. I think it was 110. Stokes on the pull, smacks it through mid-wicket for four. Three hits to Butler, and Butler's hit this high and hard. That's gone under the ground. My goodness, that's a big six. That got England back in the game, but still, still a long way to go. Did you always believe when you were batting there with Joss, but we've got this. As long as me and Joss are there, we've got this game in the bag. To be honest, I've watched it back, and if you take away the... Obviously, everybody knows what happens, but if you take away when me and Joss are batting there together, if you take away the ending of how it turned out, if you look at that game from what was acquired, the fact we're only four down, we are absolutely cruising that game. Do you know what I mean? Even when Joss gets out, we should still be cruising the game. But you're in a World Cup final. Like everything's just ten times more. Yeah, it's more stressful because you know what's on the line. But there, then it just sort of, as I say, like pressure started getting to. You know, I started feeling. I, I normally feel quite controlled when I'm out there in the middle, but I still believed. I still knew what I had to do, and um, yeah, just. <laughs> The most pressure I probably put on myself throughout that whole time was deciding what to do on the last ball, which some people might find ridiculous. Stokes came back for the second. The throw from the deep, though, hit the batsman as he made his ground, deviated past Tom Latham behind the stumps and rolled all the way to the boundary. I could not believe what's just happened. I still can't believe that actually hit your mm. bat and, and flew off. Uh, what, what were you thinking at that moment in time? Do you think, oh, uh, what do I do here? Uh, is it four? Is it six? Is it five? What did you think? I didn't know if it was... I knew it was going to be more than four, but I didn't know. I thought, like, yeah. I had no idea what they signalled. Like, and, you know, the, the umpires got a bit of stick after it finished because people had the chance to look up the rules, whereas Murray and Kumar had to make a decision out there straight away. Um, but, yeah, there's obviously, like, there's nothing you can do except stay there and then eventually when it went for four like I was just I was just like so sorry but yeah it's just one of those freak incidents that would probably the fact he threw it 70 yards away on perfectly onto my bat which avoided the fielder who was backing the ball up and then went for four like 10 yards further on than the fielder was just such a freak accident well the way it ended that game obviously it went to the super over we we all saw that i mean i'll be honest with you and i loved the game of cricket i played the game of cricket i had no idea i had no idea of the rules mm-hmm. what were you like all, all you guys on the field because we all play cricket but we don't really know the rules of the game if it goes down to wickets or it goes down to runs or it goes down to boundaries mm. hit after a super over did you did you know so what? i yeah well we did but we didn't the only reason we knew is because we got told that if it's a draw, we win on boundary count back. But we were like, that's not all right. But we didn't think it would actually go to it. 
but we had no idea about the full ins and outs rules because I've never seen it. Well, Vince, he didn't know the rules, did he? He was 12th man, yeah. he come out and give you the wrong info, didn't he? <laughs> he came out and he was like, I think if we get one here, we win. And I was like, <laughs> he didn't look overly confident about it, but I was, I had to make sure. And then asked Murray and he was like, almost knew what I was going to ask and he just went, yeah, super over. So yeah. I was like, right, okay, sweet. And England will finish their super over with 15, meaning New Zealand need 16 from six legal deliveries to win the World Cup. Then it was down to the bowlers to do their job. And Joffre Archer, um, I mean, what a player, mm -hmm. what a young man. Um, his debut summer playing international cricket. What did you say to him? Because you, you give him some words of advice, didn't you, before the, he bowled that over, mm -hmm. which was a massive thing to do. You've been there, haven't you? Yeah, and so it's a massive thing to do. Yeah. It was a case where I'd been thinking about it, and then I went, nah, nah, leave him, he's fine. Oh, no, nah, actually, I should. Nah, leave him, he's fine. Well, I know what Joffre's like, he's got this, like... But then it was like, nah, because if I don't say it and it goes wrong, I'm going to blame it on myself. And it wasn't anything, like, outrageous, like, inspirational or anything like that. It was just, like... He knows that I've been through, you know, a bad time in this situation and hearing something from me so small will mean the world to a 24-year-old on his first summer bowling the Super over <laughs> in a World Cup final. <laughs> I think it's so important and that would have meant a lot to Joffre. Mm. Um, can you see that now? But those small, those few words would have meant so much to Joffre. Mm. I, I think that's why I said it. Mm. As I say, I was umming and ahhing whether to say it, but... You know, deep down, it was it was the best thing to do because he's asked me about how have you come. He asked me like, how did you come back from the final, like in the first year in the IPL? Like, how what did you do? Like, how do you come back from something like that? And like, I couldn't really give him an answer. And I said to him after, I was like, there's your answer. It's flicked towards mid-wicket. Martin Guptill's going to come back, but he's going to be short of his grace. Martin Guptill has run out. New Zealand do not score the two runs they need. England celebrate victory in the World <laughs> Cup final. You've won the World Cup on home soil. How did that feel? Yeah, like, I don't know, just such a natural reaction from everyone. I just think everyone's emotions and adrenaline just overtook everyone. And... Obviously, I got emotional about it. I don't really get emotional about too many things, but yeah, the more I tried to stop, the more, I, the more tears came out of my eyes. It was, yeah, such an amazing feeling, and it's actually, yeah, it's awesome to think about now, sat here even. Owen Morgan lifts the trophy as England are crying the Cricket World Cup winners for 2019. What about the celebrations? Um, everybody talks about 2005, the celebrations there. Win a World Cup, I mean, amazing. I mean, it must have been good celebrations. Yeah, I mean, celebrations are so, like, sacred, but the changing room time is, like, yeah. that's where everything is, like, those are the memories where they're made. With your teammates, you know, family and friends came in with us after as well, like, looking around the changing room at one point, it was completely, and Lord's changing room's never been that full before. It was just everyone's... Family and friends were in there at one stage, which was just so awesome. If you take, took a step back from where, what you were doing and just looked around, it was a real special moment to be involved in. And, and obviously after at the hotel, everyone being together and everyone still in their one-day kit, no shoes on, medals around the necks. It was just, it was awesome. Special moments indeed. Uh
wonderful interview there from our very own Darren Goff uh, talking to Ben Stokes. Um, ben has, has come of age as, of an inter- as an international cricketer. Sorry, I'll get my words out. The, uh, the fish was a bit spicy at lunchtime. Um, he, he played two innings or was involved in two events last summer for England, 2019, um, that, that a lot of people wouldn't, wouldn't feel anything like it in their entire careers, in, in their entire lifetimes. And so the question I have for Darren Goff and Steve Harmison, who are in here with me, is which one of them was the better innings? Was it the innings to keep the Ashes alive at Headingley in uh, the uh, almost lost cause, the last wicket partnership with Jack Leach, or was it the innings on a, a shocking pitch after four years of hard work, being favourites to win and lift the World Cup, uh, and indeed doing so, getting England up to that super over and giving Joffrey Archer the chance to win in the game. Steve, I'll start with you. As, as Goffey was uh, was talking to Ben, probably has a, has a very strident idea. Wow, I, I, honestly, Butch, there is there's a fag paper between the two. I, I couldn't. I'm not sure what I to pick one of them. You're right, the pitch was terrible for a Lord's final for the World Cup. And that's what it, you know, the, the end goal was the World Cup, but it headingly it was to keep the ashes the ashes alive and you know, all but gone when you know, Jack Leach comes walking out into uh, to the middle at Headingley and you think well the ashes are gone, that's history. There's no way England can win from here. Um, as well as putting doing putting what he did the bowling the night before. So for me, I think the World Cup just just the World Cup because of what it made um, and what it meant to what it meant to the country the four years and what goes with that but it is by such a small margin 196 for five England were when just Butler was out five and a bit overs to go 5.1 overs to go 46 to win England and this is the the the, the heavy scoring eight and over um, bashing world record holding England batting line lineup and yet that 46 looked like it was a million miles away. Yeah, and when you, you look at it at half-time, you're thinking 240 chasing that. England do well to get within 20 here because the pitch was of that substandard. But it just shows you know, how, how good an innings it was by you know not losing his concentration tempo um, and his mind when Joss Butler got out. Just te- is a testament to how not only how well Ben played during that innings, but also how well Ben's played since, you know, as an international cricketer talk about growing since Bristol. Since that episode at Bristol, all of a sudden he's come back uh, as a not rejuvenated character. We all knew what sort of player he could be and what he what he was. I think he, he probably went into Bristol as a as a boy and after Bristol and what we get now is a, a very much a man and a man of an international international stakes so you're going for, for the World Cup final Goffey I see you're shaking your head you're... no no I'm 100% World Cup final um, to me personally I think special moments are, are mainly done in, in, in Ashes series 100% but I think what we've got to understand is when Ben Stokes is going to be at the crease and more special moments that happen with England over the probably the next five, six years. Ben Stokes is probably going to be involved, whether it be bat, bowl or in the field. He takes some unbelievable catches. He's, when he bowls, he breaks partnerships and when he bats, he's just magnificent to watch. But that World Cup for me, and, and, and I said it at the start of the interview, 
the importance of a World Cup final. England, number one team in the world. It's all been about the success of Strauss and Bayliss was all down to that one game. Runners-up in that World Cup, it's been a failure. They had to win it. And they're in a position where it could have gone either way. And if you could want one person to be at the wicket when England are going, is it going to go the one way or the other? It's Ben Stokes. And it was an unbelievable innings. Yes, he had some luck towards the end of it being dropped on the boundary or walked over the boundary and that hitting his bat and flying away uh, for runs towards the boundary. But it, the, he was just so calm and never once did he believe he could take England over the line. And then he ran off the field and came straight back out for the super over and smashed it in that. Unbelievable. There was, there was the six, I think. I, I can't remember how many deliveries there were to go, but he got down on one knee, didn't he, and swept. Um, was it Trent Bolt? Swept Trent, Trent Bolt over the mid-wicket boundary for six with with uh, with an over or so to go. It must have been Jimmy Neesham, was it? Jimmy Neesham. I think it was Neesham. I think it was about four. Yeah. But was it four balls? It was a four balls to go, and uh, and he hit that six into the into the mound stand. I actually think, and I said this at the time, if Ben the, the Ben Stokes dive hit the bat and gone for you know for the runs that it got, that took England down to was it three to win off. Was it three to win off two balls? I actually think if if that hadn't hit Ben Stokes's bat, England would have won with, without the super over because Ben Stokes's clarity of thought of hitting sixes at the time, going at it, I think he would have hit another six off the last one of the last now, that, two there's balls. There's a controversial opinion. So even without the, the the six runs off the overthrow, you're saying that that would have made England win without the super over. But he would have had two. He wouldn't have had. He would have been. Well, it would have been I'm, two instead of four. That. It would I mean, have been. It would have been two instead of four, and he would have needed what would they need seven to win or six to win off the last two balls. Ben Stokes is then still in six hitting mode. He did. He changed from six hitting mode to then thinking right. Two singles continues this game, and I think that was the safe bet. It was a safe safe option. The way Stokes is, and we've seen him in, in his innings as so from there since then. When he gets into six hitting mode. He, he, he tends to, you know, he tends to clear the rope. So he's hit one six. All of a sudden now, he needs he needs two singles to keep the game going. For me, if he needs another six, I think in one of them two balls he would have hit a six, and that would have been game over. Brilliant stuff there. Hope you enjoy listening to that. There will be uh, more of the same tomorrow, actually, because Goffey also sat down with Ben to talk about the Headingley heroics, and following that. Uh, Butcher, Harmison and Goff will just dissect alongside Jarrah Kimber and work out which innings was the better. Headingly Heroics or World Cup Final uh, Madness, really. Uh, So that's tomorrow's uh, following on podcast. Uh, But for now, that brings us to the end of the show. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe, review on Acast, iTunes or Spotify. And you've been listening to the following on podcast on TalkSport. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe, 
for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 